Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. And welcome to episode number 105, Linux in the Ham Shack. I'm Russ, K5TUX, and with me for the third time in a row, our new shiny and super spectacular co-host from Montreal, Canada, it's Pete V2XPL. How are you doing today, Pete? Hooray! I'm doing great, thanks. I don't know how shiny I actually am, but I'm doing all right. Well, my understanding is that you are completely engorged in ginger ale, and you are fired up and ready to go for the show. I, <laughs> not engorged yet. I've only just had my first sip. But yes, I'm uh, I'm happily drinking a ginger ale that was actually sitting in my fridge for about a week and a half, and I forgot about it. I'm a huge fan of ginger ale and root beer, so I'm a happy camper. All right, so you are getting totally blitzed on really, really flat ginger ale, so this is going to be one hell of a good show hammered and it's That's not right. flat it's, still it's not flat after a week and a half it wasn't open it was a fresh bottle oh I, I don't know i just sort of interpreted that fact that it was sitting in the refrigerator as you poured it into a glass threw it there and left it no it's only a 591 milliliter bottle which is about 12 ounces milliliter you canadians and your damn metrics <laughs> <laughs> and if you were in the chat room earlier you'd know that why that was funny anyway we also have a couple of guests on the show tonight, and they will show up in an interview later on in our second segment. But they are invited to, uh, you know, participate in the first segment if they so wish. The first uh, of said folks uh, is, and let's see if I can even get this close, uh, George Zafiropoulos. How close am I? Yeah, actually, surprisingly close. Okay, so say it properly. <laughs> it's always a shocker, but yes. Hey, Russ. <laughs> hey, how you doing? Uh, I forgot your call sign already. What's your call sign? Uh, Kilo Juliet 6, Victor Uniform, KJ6VU. KJ6VU. Welcome to the show, and of course, we'll be talking to uh, you later on about what it is you're here to talk about, but you have to suffer through about 15 minutes of us rambling on first. And uh, secondly, we have uh, N3-something. Again, I've forgotten the call sign already, and it's uh, Nick Garner. Hi, Nick. How are you doing? Hi. Good evening. Thanks for inviting me here. It's November 3, Whiskey Golf. N3 Whiskey Golf. I had that golf. written down, by the way, so next time I'm going to do this because I had notes. Well, I have notes, too. I'm just not looking at them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, here, now I'll go ahead and look at the notes, and now that I've screwed everything up, Okay, the first thing was something you actually put in. Okay, let me let me back up just a second. I'm actually going away from introductions, moving to the Etherpad, to the things that we have sort of semi-scripted out here. And the first thing was something that you brought up, Pete, 
So do you want to present this topic or do you want me to go since I sort of embellished it some? No, I like the embellishment, but I'll, I'll introduce you and then you take you you run with it as it were. Oh, I'm being introduced. Okay. Uh, let me let me sit back. But yes, this is this is my this is our co-host Russ. This is my our main host Russ. I don't know what to call you. This is Russ. I, I just wanted to to send a shout out to the people in Boston given all the events uh, of of the past week and a half and uh, just say that our thoughts are with them and uh, that's all I wanted to say. Uh, take it away. Okay, and you're you're actually closer to Boston now than I am, but I sort of grew up in the Boston area. I grew up in uh, coastal New Hampshire, which is only about a 45-minute ride from Boston, and I spent a lot of my time uh, on the streets of Boston, including Boylston Street, uh, one of the more famous streets around Boston in the Back Bay area and down near Fenway, where, of course, the Boston Marathon runs. And, uh, you know, there was that whole, uh, Bull and Finch Club that was once known as Cheers. You know, that's around the Boylston area and all that stuff. So if, if people, you know, sort of recognize Boston, they may recognize that area. I threw some stuff here in the etherpad and I don't know how political I want to get here, but. Uh, get political. Go uh, ahead. Get political. All right. Yeah. Because, uh, this is a political show. Uh, we're, we're sort of moving away from our roots. Linux in the Hamshack is now becoming a political reactionary program. Or right. I want to know if we're left or right. Well, I sort of lean sort of center right. I'm not sure which side of the spectrum you're on. Hey, I'll go left just for this. You'll go, you'll go left. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You know, left is sinister in Latin, right? (laughs) No, I did not know that. I'm learning all kinds of stuff tonight. I know. This is good. It's an education for Pete tonight. Absolutely. Um, Life is an education for me. (laughs) Anyway, um, yeah, the events of uh, a week ago or whatever, well, it's a week and a half ago now really horrific in Boston. And of course that was my, my younger days playground. So I do want to send my thoughts and, and Pete of course sends his thoughts out to everyone who was affected by uh, the bombing there in Boston. My family still lives in that area. So they were very close to the action. All my friends live there too. What came out of it was a, a much stronger community in the Boston area. Not that Boston isn't a strong community, but it seemed like it was much stronger and the resolve of the people who live there to fight any threat to freedom to become a more unified force in the world sort of grew out of this tragedy and i don't know that we necessarily want to promote the idea of tragedy to bring people together but if there has to be a result that's the result you want um i have to agree so my final thought was this and i put it as a sort of sub bullet point uh, in the etherpad was that I made a comment on Facebook actually shortly after they, uh, had the, the firefight happened with the older brother and he was, he wound up being, uh, shot to death by police. And then, uh, sometime between that event and when they actually found, uh, the younger brother, I put a comment up on Facebook that basically said, you know, if it turns out this guy actually did it, whether it was just him or it turns out to be him and accomplices and, and so on and so forth, I think, there should be some sort of public display of capital punishment. He should be hanged publicly. Publicly, He should be sent to China and let them deal with him publicly on pay-per-view or whatever. And I got a lot of positive response to that. And I would like to say that I, I believe that the justice system should work. Uh, we should make sure that we try him and give him every opportunity to clear his name. But if it turns out to be him, I really think we have lost the idea of showing punishment to the population at large. And I think whatever happens to this guy should be swift, should be final and should be public. 
And so uh, we want we want us a good old fashioned lynching, do we, Rusty? I don't know if we want cowboys with lassos, <laughs> but uh, you know the modern day equivalent. <laughs> and and I will stand by that. I mean, if if it turns out that way, and this guy goes to the gas chamber or whatever happens to him, I hope they put it on TV. That's all I have to say about that. So uh, you can well, agree I have or disagree. To disagree with that? You, no, I, I'd have to disagree. I I respect the opinion though, and and what's coming to him is coming to him. Um, I, I think that anything final, as you put it, is that's an easy way out, and it's not really a punishment. You're kind of giving the guy an out. Um, however, the other debate is always, well, you know, prisoners cost a lot of money to the system, yada, yada. But, uh, you know, without getting into personal philosophies, I'm sure justice will prevail. At least I hope it will. Um, I was actually quite impressed with the uh, work of the uh, law enforcement uh, officers and, and everybody who was involved. They uh, brought it to a relatively quick close. And uh, as for public lynchings, well, I, I'm not of that opinion, but, uh, you know, who knows? But you're Canadian. I don't think, I don't, I don't think it'll be a public lynching, but no. it'll certainly be a public um, <laughs> trial and, and, and outcome, you know? Right. Well, like I said, like I just said, you're Canadian. You're you're of a much nicer brand of person than those of us in the United States. We're sort of outlaw, you know, bred. So yeah, no, I I I understand the cultural differences. Of course, everything changes if somebody even looks at my daughters the wrong way. But aside from that, um, <laughs> we'll let the justice <laughs> system take care of them. All right. So uh, you you had a, all right. Enough about Boston. Uh, that was <laughs> way, way too much, actually, about Boston. But anyway, uh, you have yeah, a couple of things our, you threw our in here. Our thoughts out. Our thoughts out. Yeah. So uh, go ahead and uh, and discuss what you've got down here, so we can move on. Yeah, just briefly. I just wanted to wish everybody a happy belated Earth Day. Earth Day was yesterday on the twenty second, as it is every year. A movement that was born, I learned in nineteen seventy. I didn't think it was so old, and I actually read somewhere that Earth Day achieved a rare political alignment. Uh, and actually, in seventy, enlisted the support of uh, both Republicans and Democrats. But when is that ever going to happen again? Um, birth of the EPA uh, and of the uh, Clean Air, Clean Water, and Endangered Spe- Species Acts. So I just wanted to uh, say, you know, do your part uh, for for the environment if you are so inclined. I uh, highly recommend it. You can even go to the website, the EarthDay.org website, and uh, download the 30-day challenge checklist, where every day you have a little bit of a uh, an eco challenge to make you a little bit more aware. So if you guys are in the mood. Oh, sorry, no, that's on the EarthDay.ca. That's on the Canadian Earth Day website, and not on the global one. The difference between .org and .ca. Both Earth Day though, so check them out. All right, cool. And I I live in such a a rural, you know, tree-filled, hilly uh expanse of wilderness around here that I don't necessarily feel that I have to do much in the way of of uh planting trees or uh you know, contributing to the earth because the earth is in full bloom in this part of the country and uh you know, if I lived in San Francisco or Chicago or something else, I might feel a little differently about it, but uh around here, earth the earth seems to be taking care of itself quite nicely. Well, you're a lucky man, and, uh, you know, be thankful for that. Because in, in the city, it's certainly uh, people are far removed from nature, and, and I feel that there's a true lack of, of that. So, um, I mean, Linux in the Hampshire, I guess it's part. That's, this is what the ether pad is, where we don't have all this paper around. Well, I have a little bit, I must admit, but most of this stuff is in the ether pad. So, it's, you know, we're, we're doing our part on the show to, uh, to be a little bit greener. 
Yeah, that's true. And I hope the electricity that we're uh, powering the Etherpad is not created by, like, you know, Chinese <laughs> orphans or something like that. And and the five computers that I'm running. and <laughs> Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, we're burning our share of fossil fuels, I have a feeling. Um, so now I'm, I'm looking our, at your... Our are clean. Your fuels are fossil. Our fuels are clean. See, ours are generated by the river, which we're exploiting. Uh, actually, yeah, there's a hydroelectric dams all over the place here, and there's one not far from my house, about eight miles away, which is where most of our power comes from. So, uh, but unfortunately, yeah. the, the, the largest city that's anywhere near here, Springfield, Missouri, is entirely powered by coal. You know, there's that. Yeah, coal is still dirt cheap though, so. Yeah, dirt cheap, quite literally. Unless yeah. you count the lives involved, and then it's not quite as cheap. Well, no, I'm I'm speaking strictly from a uh, economic standpoint. Wow, we are really getting high on the soapbox tonight. Uh, I do want to say something about your your next thing though, which is uh, when I when I actually lived at the Canadian border, there wasn't the world was a really different place because you're you're about to talk about something that I didn't even know about, but back then we didn't even need an ID card to get across the border. Basically, you drove up to the thing, and as long as you didn't look like a complete hooligan or you weren't brandishing a weapon, you could just say, well, I'm headed across to visit, you know, some Canadian friends or something, and I'll be back in eight hours, and they would wave you through, and life was good. Uh, then they did the whole thing with, you know, of course, you have to have a passport or you have to have the uh, United States or Canadian ID card now to get uh, back and forth across the border between the U.S. and Canada. And now, apparently, they're going a step further. And what step is that? Well, they are discussing uh, charging a fee to cross the uh, border, uh, a fee for Canadians to cross into the U.S., of course. Canada is not looking, as far as I know, not looking to do the same thing. So it would cost Canadians. Uh, uh, in, in 2011, they had discussed somewhere around 550 per person. In, in this latest uh, development, they haven't discussed a, uh, a price point. Uh, I, I saw two articles, uh, one's in the Huffington Post and one's in the Star both a little bit leftist newspapers, you'll be happy to hear us, but I know very respected papers here, and uh, they were talking about how everybody's outraged on, on both sides because, I mean, this has huge impl implications. Uh, right, right now in the 2014 uh, budget, the uh, U.S. Uh, uh, border crossing people, what are they called, the Homeland Security people, are talking about uh, doing a nine-month study to see what the costs involved would be in charging such a fee uh, to see if, if, and, and I'm not sure if the reasons are not going into the reasons whether they're political. What they're saying is they need to, uh, uh, get a little bit of money back for uh, all the money that it costs them to deal with these people who are coming across the border. But if I can I mean, be a I, little, I did a little bit of research. So, sorry, go ahead. I, I was going to say, if I can be a little cynical about the subject, I would guess that the cost involved would, would be whatever it need, whatever you need to offset. Well, the, the fee that will be paid for those uh, Canadians who want to come across the border will be directly in line with the fees that would be required to offset a nine month study to figure out how much it would be to cross the border. Well, I mean, that, that's, that's my argument. Every time that there's a project launched by the government, whether, whether it be in your country or ours, there's always a study that it's probably going to cost more than, than the whole project, but that's a whole different conversation. But, um, no, I, I was reading that, um, there's already a fee charge. If, if I fly from here to, to, to your house, let's say, uh, they'll charge me $50. That's a, a, a hidden fee. It's not hidden, but it's included in the price of my plane ticket. So if I'm flying across, I'm already paying a fee right now. Drivers do not see. I did not know that 
I was upset when I first saw the article, but then I read, oh, if you're flying, it's already costing you 50 bucks. Uh, but um, let's see, in February, last February, so a couple of months ago, there was $1.6 billion in, in February alone of cross-border trade, and 2.8 million Canadians made same-day trips to the U.S. So critics are warning that it's going to clog borders and it's going to kill border towns who rely on on us nice Canadians going across to buy your cheap gas and your inexpensive cheese and, and et cetera, you know. Uh, so we'll see what comes of it. We'll find out in, in nine months and, and $10 billion probably. All right. Well, I don't really want to delve on that much anymore, but just be warned if you want to come to the United States, it may cost you uh, a buck or two here or there when you want to get your uh, cheap gas and government cheese. Government cheese. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, there's uh, a long history of jokes about government cheese on the side of the border. Anyway, a couple more quick announcements, then we're going to move on to a short piece of music that uh, came to us from Pete this week. Then we're going to talk to... Uh, George Zaviropoulos, and uh, was that was that even closer to the Greek pronunciation? Probably, uh, not, not really. No, not really. Okay, <laughs> we'll get there. Got a whole show to figure it out. Yeah, uh, that's right. He, I asked him to tell us what it was earlier, and he wouldn't do it. And uh, and Mysterious. Nick, of course. So there's a couple of quick announcements about the show. The first one is that uh, the Tinfoil Hat Show, which just uh, joined us on the Black Sparrow Media Network, has gone on hiatus. I've talked to Cafe Ninja, who is the producer of that show, and he says that he's got uh, some life events that are taking him away from podcasting right now. But the show definitely will be back at some point in the future. Uh, so look for future episodes, and of course, we'll uh, keep everybody up to date on that as things happen. And the second thing is uh, the Linux in the Hamshack mobile app, or of course, the Black Sparrow Media mobile app, as you would find it on iTunes or in the Android store, is costing me more money than is really than, than really I can afford to spend out of my pocket to keep it up to date. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to disappear from the app stores. It will remain, but I'm going to make some changes to it to make sure that it is as up-to-date as it can possibly be, and then I'm going to stop paying for the ability to update it. So you'll still be able to download all the episodes of all of the shows that are a member of the Black Sparrow Media Network, and you'll still be able to download it from the Google Play Store and from iTunes, and it's always free, so make sure to get your copy. It'll be out there as long as they let me keep it out there. Uh, but it will not be actively developed because it just costs too much to do it. So until I can figure out some other way to develop it, that's the situation. So, so what, are you, are you paying yourself to develop it so you can't afford to pay yourself anymore? Oh, I wish it was as simple as paying myself because in that case I would continue to develop it. But no, it cost me, the developer tools actually cost about $30 a month uh, just to have access to the ability to update the application and of course the keeping it active in the various uh app stores costs me about 10 or 12 dollars a month and right now these are just yeah these are just not fees that i can that i can absorb at this point so uh since the since the application is already in the app stores they'll stay there uh but they will not be uh developed until i can figure something else out so that's that. We've got some music. So do you want to introduce the music, and then we'll come back and we'll talk to uh, Nick and George? Yeah, sure. Let me just get back to the other Oh, see, now, no, way, now you're not K-5. looking. See, uh-huh, yeah, Sorry. yeah. Now you're not looking. I see how it is. 
Blame I was me. looking at it. I, I have several screens going on, but uh, KE5WMA, I was actually looking at the uh, chat room, um, mentions that today is St. George's Day. So uh, there you go. Uh, following Earth Day, we have St. George's Day. So happy St. George's Day, y'all. So uh, the piece of music that we'll be playing next is uh, I found on, on another podcast, and I'm, I don't remember which one it was because I listened to so many, So, uh, but it's uh, you can find it on on. Mendo, uh, which is a great little uh, website for uh, open source music. Uh, the band is called Antares. Uh, it's a band from uh, France. And the uh, little tune is called uh, Carpe Diem. And I thought it had uh, the beginning kind of reminded me of a ZZ Top, but then, uh, then it doesn't uh, sound like ZZ Top anymore. But still a very cool song. So uh, uh, here we go. Good song. 
Yeah, I like that tune. It's sort of a, it, it's kind of a, a quick ending, but it gives you a warning. I, I have to apologize. That was a horrible introduction to that song. It's a really good song. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Uh, Carpe Diem by Antares from the album Salalin. Uh, you can find that, of course, at gemendo.com. Uh, and of course, I'll be playing it in the Linux and the Hamshack rotation, uh, as a streaming song. Uh, so. There's more information about that on the website, blah, 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 blah. We really need to get to our hosts. So let's, our, our hosts, yeah, we really need to get to our guests. Maybe the host, maybe the guests need to introduce the host because I have no idea what's going on right now. Well, they could be our guest hosts. <laughs> well, they, they sort of are. All right. Well, you've already met them, but we're going to reintroduce them. The first one is George Zafiropoulos, KJ6NU from Sierra Radio Systems. And the second gentleman is Nick. And of course, I don't have his last name handy. N3WG from Pignology. And we're going to find out all about Sierra Radio Systems and Pignology in the next half hour or so. So, and what's kind of cool about this is after this is all over, these guys are going to be, uh, at least as far as I am aware, they're going to be at the Dayton Hamvention along with me and tens of thousands of other people. And, uh, Pete not, is not, that's why he's, uh, he's bitching and moaning over there right now. So I'm not, I'm not disappointed. You guys are going to be there. I'm just not going to get to see you guys. That's right. You won't get, is, to is see. it that border crossing cost thing you were talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't afford the $5 and 11 cents. <laughs> All right. So George, let me go ahead and start with you because you were the one who emailed Richard and said, Hey, we've got this thing we want to talk about. And Richard forwarded to me and I said, Hey, this would be a cool thing for us to talk about. And then George said, Hey, let's go ahead and talk about it. And here we are. We're going to go ahead and talk about it. So uh, give us a little background on Sierra radio systems before you tell us about the thing you want us to tell us about. And uh, then we'll talk to, uh, with Nick about Pignology. And I've been to both their websites, and both both of these websites have stuff on them that is just super cool. And so I hope you're going to, like, really sell yourselves to our listeners because uh, some of the stuff you guys put out there is pretty amazing. Uh, but, George, we'll start with you. Go ahead and talk about Sierra. Sure. Uh, well, first off, thanks a lot for having us. Uh, come on. This is really fun. I've been listening to the podcast for a while. And I, I sort of think of myself as a bit of a Linux noob, so it's kind of nice to listen to you guys talk about stuff and try to learn. So, uh, so it's been very helpful. Uh, so I'll start with that. Um, so we've been making control systems for a bunch of years. Uh, our, our club is uh, super uh, involved in building uh, linked repeater systems. So about, about eight years ago, we decided um, we should build our own repeater control system because, like, how hard could that be? So we started down that path, and um, here now, seven, eight years later, we have uh, a pretty cool working uh, repeater control system, and it's based on uh, microchip PIC microcontrollers, and we use it throughout our uh, repeater system, and a bunch of other folks have used it in theirs. So uh, that started us down the path of uh, doing controllers. Um, in the process of, of working on this stuff, we had a lot of friends who, who asked about um, – these microcontrollers, what you know, how do they work? How do you program them? How hard is it? So we um, we were trying to figure out what to tell them and and what to go buy and, and tinker with, and so we decided that you know in ham fashion uh, we'd just you know build our own little platform and use it as an educational tool. So we built a um, uh, a system called Hamstack, and Hamstack is basically a a microcontroller uh, platform that you could use to design and program your own ham radio projects. And you can program them in C or BASIC. And um, 
they're pretty cool. So we sell trainer boards and development boards and relay boards and stuff like that. And uh, so in the last year or so, we noticed that there is uh, more and more small embedded Linux boards that were coming out. And so we thought of lots of applications for that. Um, I built some IRLP nodes, so I had some experience uh, with uh, Fedora and CentOS and uh, administering some systems. So it seemed pretty um, pretty powerful to do some things that were much easier with a Linux computer, uh, more so than a microcontroller. So anyway, uh, out comes uh, some really exciting new boards like the Raspberry Pi and the Beagle board and the Beagle Bone and stuff like that. So we thought, well, we can really take um, advantage of these low-cost Linux embedded systems to do some cool ham radio projects, which is how we, we got to today. So uh, that's sort of the, the lead-up. And, and what we're doing right now is uh, two projects, uh, one uh, both of which is really a uh, combination of effort between Nick and uh, and myself and some other guys, and we've put together um, a complete remote station control system and also uh, have come out with a uh, embedded Linux um, do-it-yourself ham radio hackable platform for building your own gadgets. So that's uh, that's sort of the big list of stuff. All right, cool. And uh, I don't want to go too much further before we talk to Nick. And by the way, his last name is Garner, N3WG. So before we talk about the, the fusion of technology with Sierra Radio Systems, let's go ahead and talk about technology. So Nick, why don't you tell us what, what you sort of do? And by all means, uh, talk about Hamlog and the fact that Linux in the Hamshack is part of that, uh, if you will. Well, I was born in a little town called Norwich, Connecticut. So uh, back in 2009, I was um, – can you hear me okay? Oh, I can hear you just fine. All right, sorry. Sorry, we were um, supposed to in- laugh about the Norwich, Connecticut thing because <laughs> – <laughs> Yeah, if you don't mind. Oh, okay. Uh, so um, back, in two- okay. <laughs> back in 2009, um, I got myself an iPhone 3G, and around the same time – um, I was doing a lot of QRP portable type stuff with a group of guys and um, and also doing quite a bit of backpacking. And I, I looked at uh, the hobby I enjoy, amateur radio, and this iPhone, and I said, you know, I, I could really use a logger. Um, so I bought a book and, uh, and started programming. And uh, Hamlog came out in March of 2009, version 1.0, and it was horrible. <laughs> the reviews let me know. And, uh, and it's grown quite a bit since then. Um, what you just referred to about the, the podcast thing, um, I believe it was late 2012 or earlier this year, I added in the ability to play podcasts. And um, one of your listeners actually came to me. I um, unfortunately hadn't heard of the podcast before that and uh, said, you know, you should really put uh, Linux in the ham shack in there. And I did. And um, I, have, I have no analytics on it, so I'm not sure uh, how much traffic I'm driving your way. But, um, but hopefully it's a little bit here and there. And um, Pignology actually started in 2011. Um, so some folks took um, Hamlog to the Caribbean and did some logging on iPads, and uh, they had a, a de-expedition there. And uh, and they used it for a bit, and then they went back to their regular computer logs. And uh, when they came back, I asked them how it went, and they said, well, it, it worked, but um, it would have been great if it would automatically gather data. Um, so I started looking into solutions, and I formed Pignology. Um, to be the the business entity behind the hardware, and uh, that first hardware device that was released was the Pigtail, uh, which creates a wireless link from iOS and Android devices uh, running Hamlog to the radio, 
and it will do that automated gathering of information like frequency and mode and pull it into the contact as you're logging it. So when you change bands, it's you don't have to type, basically. And then I figure while I'm at it, I might as well add rate control as well. So um, so you can push buttons on there to change bands. I'm trying to take the radio out of your hand with Pigtail, but uh, there's no audio there. Uh, so it's not going to take the mic out. And uh, actually, the first day I sold a Pigtail, someone said, where's the audio? And I said, give me nine months. So here we are a year later, and that's what we're here to talk about. All right, fantastic. And I'm I'm actually looking at your website as you're talking and I'm and I'm seeing all this this kind of neat stuff. If if you um if you could pick one of the products that you have on your website, which which is the one that you think is uh sort of the most popular among the ham radio community? I mean, which is the thing that that people really dig uh from Pignology? Uh, it would have to be Hamlog. Um it's it's a very mature stable application, I believe. <laughs> um I haven't gotten in many complaints lately, um, but that's um, uh, probably in or on about twenty-five thousand phones right now. And I'll throw out one comment on uh, on Hamlog. Um, I, I've got Hamlog and use it for all kinds of stuff that is not logging. So there's a, a whole bunch of stuff that's in there that's really uh, useful reference material um, or other utilities. Uh, so even if you're not logging, it's it's really a useful app. Yeah, I actually Thank played you. around with it earlier this afternoon, and uh, I have to say that, I mean, I was, uh, <laughs> Nick, you told me the fact that Linux in the Ham Shack was in there somewhere, so I was digging around trying to figure out where we were, but in the process of that, I was trying out some of the other things, uh, looking at, like, the grid square maps, and uh, I, I can't even actually remember all of the stuff that was in there, but there is tons and tons of stuff that's parts of Hamlog, so, um, and if I remember right, Hamlog is, is free or, or very cheap. It's 99 cents, and all of those tools that are listed in there are driven by the users. So um, when I get an email saying, hey, it'd be cool if you could do this, um, like recently someone sent me an email and said, I want to see azimuthal equidistant maps, uh, which is a great circle map. And um, after some Googling, I said, all right, let's do this. So, <laughs> so if anybody listening has any ideas, please send them my way. I try to get everything in there. All right, excellent. I have an idea. Can you put us on the front page? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I'm going to take that as a resounding no. <laughs> I've, I've been looking at the website, too, not just today, but uh, I was just amazed at the uh, the amount of applications that there are, and, and every single one of them looked cool. And I actually clicked on, you know, I started at Hamlog, Piglet, Pigtail, went down the whole list, and every one of them looked so cool that I... I gotta get myself a smartphone. I'm I'm almost ashamed to say that I still have a flip phone. My flip phone works. It makes phone calls. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. A little old school that way, but I might have to upgrade. It was actually um, so I met George at a field day event. I think it was two years ago, and we started talking, and somehow the word "pick" microcontroller came up, and um, we said, you know, we should talk, and. Um, Probably about eight months later, I got onto the um, the Baynet system here in the Bay Area, which is a local repeater network. And there he was, and uh, somehow the words came up again. And um, that one of those apps that you saw in their Hamstack Lite is a result of that initial conversation, um, where he said, "You know, it'd be cool." And and there it is. So that's uh, controlling his stuff from from my stuff. Okay, now I'm going to overly simplify this um, quite a bit. I'm sure. But basically, the whole thing that you guys have created has to do with uh, remote station control, uh, if I'm not 
totally mistaken, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, but there's a lot to this because um, there's uh, there's the audio portion, there's the actual rig control portion, and uh, the things that you have sort of co- collaborated on created uh, this whole thing that you want to talk to us about, and it has to do with um, uh, embedded computing platforms and uh, the technology techni- uh, technology that was previously created and sort of combined to create the whole thing. So who wants to, which of you two wants to walk us through um, the uh, the melding of the minds here that took place to create uh, the thing that you guys are going to be uh, showing off at, at Hamvention this year. Nick, why don't you go ahead and talk about the the overall rig control idea, and, and I could fill in the back. Okay. So, um, like I said, I wanted to get audio into pigtail, um, which means I need to stream audio. That's... Uh, that's one thing I need to check off the list. The other thing is I need to do rate control, which is usually via serial, and it needs to be accessible over the network. Um, so initially what I did was I looked to Microchip and uh, and their PIC platform, and it turned out to be very complicated. And George and I have been talking off and on you know, throughout this last year, and the topic of embedded Linux came up, and, uh, and Raspberry Pi was out there, and BeagleBoard was out there. And we went and looked at a bunch of different options and settled on the Beagle Bone to be the, the brain of what we're doing here. So Pig Remote is a small appliance-type device. It's about five and a half inches square. And out of the back of it are the connections I just referred to, that being audio in and out, and RS-232 connection for the radio, Ethernet, power, and then there's a, a USB connection there to get a shell um, so you can log into the system if you need to make any changes. And on the other side of it, what I've done is I've developed a, a whole suite of applications. Um, one does the audio streaming bidirectionally. Um, one does control, which we'll talk about in just a moment. And then that same pigtail functionality that's already built into Hamlog works with it as well. So I've taken the, the functionality of the pigtail product and put it into software running on the BeagleBone. Um, and it's... They're both um, compatible with each other, basically. If it works with Pigtail, it works with Pigmarote. So that solves the rig control and audio streaming problem. But uh, then, as George and I were talking, the question came up with, what about station control? Uh, what can we do about that? And that's what George does the best. So you want to talk about your half, George? Sure. So we had a lot of folks... Um ask us about how they could use our microcontroller stuff to do remote stations. And it, it, it's sort of the inverse of what Nick was saying. People are asking for how do I remotely turn stuff on and off? How do I uh, read the power and all that sort of stuff? Uh, and they're using computers for the audio and for the rig control, like Ham Radio Deluxe and Skype and things like that. So um, the, one of the things that was very compelling was, you know, Nick focusing on the embedded Linux platform to do the audio and rig control uh, without a PC at the com- at the radio end uh, seemed like a really great platform to start with, but uh, we're still missing the stuff control because if you're going to remote your station, uh, at a bare minimum, you need to be able to remotely turn the power on and off. Uh, you might want to switch antennas. You might want to switch radios. You might want to turn a beam. You might want to turn an amplifier on and off. Uh, so there's a bunch of control you'd like to do, and... You also want to know what's happening at the other end. So you want to be able to measure power supply voltages and, and RF power output forward and reflected. You want to measure the, the current 
uh, you know, to make sure that the, when it's, your transmitter's on, it's actually working properly. You might want to measure the temperature of the PA in the in the shack and a bunch of other stuff. So the the station controller um, that we built to be a companion uh, with uh, with Nick's uh, station control or um, a whole station automation system lets you do all that. So it really comes together as an integrated system. Um, so, so our station controller does all that monitoring and control of the physical world while he's doing the audio transport and the radio control. And might I add all this at a very affordable price because I was actually – when I started reading the, the notes that uh, Russ had done, I'm, I'm thinking, wow, this, this is pretty high-tech stuff. It's probably unaffordable, but I actually looked on the website and it's accessible to pretty much everyone. I mean, and, and I guess that's probably one of your goals. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we, we, we don't – neither one of us really do this for like a living. And, and so, we, you know, we try to make sure that we can um, engineer something really cool – that's sort of uh, maybe beyond what you know a lot of guys would have the time to do, but not make it like so expensive, uh, so that anybody could put it together. So, so you guys both do this on the side? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Yeah. And what's your real jobs? <laughs> not that I meant you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in. Well, we, I'm in network consulting. So I work for a software company. Okay, so so related to uh, what your hobbies are, which is very usually the case too. Yeah, it helps. Oh, very good. That was, that was one of my questions. Uh, sorry, Russ, did I throw you off there? No, not at all. But I'm I'm looking at the diagram here of uh, the the setup. At, at least um, according to the Pignology.net website under the Pig Remote, um, and I see the Pig Remote in in the network diagram. But I guess I'm wondering, like, if I walked up to you guys at Hamvention and I said. I heard you on the show and this is, and this is kind of what I got out of it. But what, what am I looking at? Like, if I wanted to purchase the solution that you guys have put together, what, what am I looking at buying and, and what am I getting when I, when I walk home? What, what is the thing that you're actually going to like sell? What is the product? So for my side of the equation, the product is that little black box, the pig remote box and only that box. Um, what that gives you is streaming bi-directional audio. Um, all the software uh, that you see listed in that diagram, like Windows, Mac, Linux, iOS, and Android, all that software is free. Um, so the streaming audio comes along with it. Um, the rig control half of it, it, it depends on how you want to accomplish it. Um, it can be done with Hamlog, which is a separate paid-for app. Uh, I have other pigtail-enabled applications uh, that work with this that are also non-free <laughs> software. Um, however, I have instructions in the user guide there to do, uh, to run whatever rig control software you want. So, for example, if you wanted to run Ham Radio Deluxe on Windows, you could do that. Or if you're running Linda, uh, sorry, Linux, Lindos, sorry. If you're running Linux, um, then you can use sudo terminals and SoCat, if you're familiar with SoCat, to do a serial port redirection to the pig remote. Um, so, uh, the tagline that I have on Pig Remote is an open system, and I, I truly intend it to be that. Um, all the software that I've written that's actually running on the Pig Remote is open for developers to uh, to interact with, and uh, and I'm I'm hopeful that uh, maybe someone listening to this will uh, will take me up on that offer, and they're welcome to sell it as well if they want. All right, that sounds good. So, so if, go ahead. If you wanted to add the the station control. In addition to that, then you'd buy the Sierra Radio Station Controller, which is a unit, and that uh, is essentially an add-on accessory 
to the pig remote system that Nick is describing. So yeah. you could use his audio and rig control without the station controller, or you can add the station controller, or you can run the station controller by itself without the pig remote. So it's very modular, but they're really designed to work kind of seamlessly together. And the the station controller that does all the monitoring and control of the physical side of the station talks to the pig remote through a two gigahertz uh, data radio. So the the two units just uh, sit next to each other. They don't even plug into each other. You just power them up and they talk. Um, and and so then you, that way you can extend it very easily. Okay, that's what I liked about you guys' stuff. It was um, that there's so many options and everything is modular. So you 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 have so many different combinations of different projects you could do pretty much anything you can think of it seems that you guys in, in terms of, of rig remote and control it seems you guys have a solution for well one thing that we we try to do a lot um in our in our sierra stuff um the ham stack as well as these new uh, station control things is to to make them turnkey if you just want to buy a black literally a black box and plug it in and use it but if you want to hack around uh, we make it really easy to uh, write firmware and, and hack up uh, any of our hardware platforms. So we encourage people to do it. And, um, and predictably, a lot of people try it and then say, wow, that was an interesting experience, and I just want to reload the stock firmware. So we give you a way to just download the latest firmware and load it, and you're back to the stock product. So um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the value in this hobby is, is exploration, education, and you know, hacking stuff and trying it out. Um, but there's other times when you just want it to work. <laughs> so it's kind of nice to have that option. Are you guys, um, avid hams? Like, are you guys all out, uh, DX, uh, spend all night in the shack kind of, or did you just kind of do it on the side a little bit when you have time? Well, for me, my, my main, uh, ham radio activity is really two things. One is, uh, building repeater systems and, in QRP, which is like the two ends of the weird spectrum. So, so I've been building repeaters for, like 30 years, which is how we got into the repeater controller uh, business, and uh, and and the rig control thing was really interesting because I I've built a lot of QRP gear, I built all the Elecraft radios, and uh, love operating that stuff. Uh, although all my operating time is restricted to driving time in the car, and uh, if I'm at home, I'm usually working on one of these boards or something, so I don't get as much on air time as I'd like. And I um, I'm also a QRP fan. Um, all of my HF contacts are made out of the house <laughs> simply because I can't put up an antenna here. So I work dummy loads on the bench <laughs> when I'm developing stuff. And uh, yeah, same as George, the majority of my operating time is in the car. But um, pretty soon, hopefully, we're going to have this whole setup in a contest station on the East Coast. And uh, I imagine my contact count will go up. Yeah, actually, that's something worth worth mentioning. A, a good friend of ours uh, has a big multi-multi um, contest station with like four towers and a zillion antennas and I mean just really serious context DXer kind of station and uh he's uh, offered to uh to be kind of the on-air test bed with with serious radios and serious antennas so uh, he's got the whole remote station hardware now and that's all being set up and uh, we'll be able to demo that at Dayton. Ah very cool very cool again I'm sorry I can't be there. <laughs> yes you should be. I will be. Actually, I looked it up. I'm actually uh, already been planning a camping weekend because it's a long weekend here. It's called Victoria Day, so I, I wouldn't have been able to get away anyways or else the better half would have got my hide. Anyhow, back to the interview. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm curious, guys. Um, do you have a preference between 
a beagle bone and raspberry pie? Or do you, do, does one do some things better than the other one, and that's why you have one in one place and one in the other? Um, I'm just curious. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I, I'll give you my uh, point of view, and then Nick should chime in. So, so I got all excited about the raspberry pie uh, when I first saw it. Uh, for all the obvious reasons, it's a you know a Linux in the palm of your hand for thirty five bucks. It's kind of hard to sneeze at that. So of course I I bought a few and started playing with it, and it's really cool. Um, the the Beagle uh, Beaglebone CPU that's uh, in the market today is is more expensive. It's about two or three times the price. So the Raspberry Pi is about thirty five dollars, and the Beaglebone uh, model that's been in the market is about ninety dollars or eighty nine dollars. Uh, the difference is the the Beagle is more of an industrial uh, product, so it uses a TI Satara, which is an ARM Cortex A8 CPU. So it's a it's a faster, better CPU than the Raspberry. Um, it's also got a ton more I/O. So the Raspberry's got one UART, it's got an I2C and an SPI port, and a couple of like eight GPIOs. The the Beagle uh, Beagle Bone. Has got uh, seven A to D converters. The Raspberry has none. Uh, there's four UARTs, two SPIs, two I2Cs, about another sixty odd GPIO pins. So the the Beagle is just a better, faster, more capable platform. Um, and the most exciting thing is that they're coming out with a brand new version called the BeagleBone Black, which is going to be about half the price. So. For about ten or fifteen bucks more than the Raspberry, you can get a Beagle, and it's just a way better platform. Which is not to say the Raspberry is not good. It is a, a you know it's a fun platform to play with. But between the two, the Beagle is a more uh, industrial strength board. Very good. The the thing that really turned me off about Raspberry to the point where I never even purchased one. It doesn't have audio in, which. Um, Really messed up my plans for for an embedded Linux platform. Really? I didn't know that. That's such a simple thing. You think they didn't incorporate it? Mm-hmm. And uh, so inside the Pig Remote is an audio codec. And what we did was we designed a it's a daughter card basically uh, that plugs in there. And then the communication is uh, between the BeagleBone and the audio codec is using also a system on chip. Uh, and the drivers were already there and. And the the chip that I'm using from Texas Instruments for the audio codec is supported uh, already in Linux, so it, it made it easy, and it gave us the flexibility to lay out the board how we wanted to, so that it would fit into an enclosure cleanly. And getting an enclosure around the Raspberry Pi is kind of difficult. So the 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 uh, Pig Remote is actually a BeagleBone uh, running Linux, yes. Yes, it's running Angstrom Linux. All right, and uh, why? Why, out of curiosity, did you choose Angstrom Linux, and what is it a derivative of, if anything, or is it its own uh, Linux thing? It sounds like you just made that up. <laughs> uh, Angstrom is a distribution that is um, targeted at embedded Linux, and the reason I we went with Angstrom is simply because the company that made the BeagleBone Circuit Co. They chose Angstrom. <laughs> so they are actually incorporating changes into Angstrom to support the BeagleBone. So that's the best place to get support. Uh, there is some um, versions of Ubuntu and um, Gentoo I've seen on BeagleBone as well. But uh, getting support for all of the I.O., the ADDs, um, maybe the audio um, is an unknown. And it's definitely there in Angstrom, so that's why we went with it. 
At least it'll that's why I went with it. It'll even run Android. I mean, if you it, so, if you really want to mess with it, um, there's there's lots of distros that that you can try. Some are a bit better uh, documented uh, than others. So, um, Angstrom is a derivative of Open Embedded, and Open Embedded is is a um, a Linux distribution really designed for embedded systems. Uh, and if you if you if you play with it, it feels very much like Debian. Oh well, I, I like anything that feels like Debian. Uh, the the station controller that Sierra Radio puts out, George, uh, is that is is that purely a hardware platform? I mean, or is there a software involved with that as well? Um, it both. So it's got um, hardware, obviously, on the physical side, and then there's a uh, a Windows app and um, uh, I, that Nick has developed Windows and iOS and other platform apps that essentially brings a control panel to the user so that you can control and monitor all those physical uh, environmental features of your station. So you get a little uh, a control window so you can look at the power supply voltage and current and the RF power and the temperature and all that jazz on your iPad or uh, iPhone, etc. Um, and all of that stuff is available through various app stores and whatnot, I, I presume. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And uh, you know, if you want to, I mean, you like all of our hardware. You can you can uh, take the hardware and uh, write your own software from scratch. If you want to put, you know, use our hardware and come up with your own applications code, that's uh, fine too. And those microcontrollers can be programmed in C or BASIC uh, with some really you know high quality procedural uh, language compilers. All right, so I can have bi-directional audio through my Pig remote and also have it serve my web pages if I so choose. There's actually a, a web server installed on it now. It's <laughs> NGINX. And, uh, yeah, when you boot it up first time, you can surf to it and it'll, you can modify the settings for the various things like, um, uh, what can you change the baud rate <laughs> on the UART? Uh, you can manipulate the audio routing, whether you're local or remote to the device, things like that. Or you could drop in your own web pages and do whatever you want. So have you included the ability to do the equivalent of say web SDR in the pig remote so you can have the audio being broadcast via web page kind of no uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so um i started to and um what i was looking at was um what was it called the dubango framework um but it required a shim running on a web server out on the internet um i do want to put that in there though i would like to give people the ability to surf to their pig remote click a button and hear the audio and if it's bi-directional even better yeah that would that sounds like it would be really cool and i can't wait for version two of the pig remote which actually contains sdr capability me too <laughs> <laughs> and of course since this is a part-time in your spare hobbyist moments project we can expect that sometime in q3 2018 right well i was only three months late on uh, on this so yeah, Nick actually doesn't <laughs> sleep. Oh, that's good. You hear there's a so new Nyquil it, project or a Nyquil product that does nothing but make you like <laughs> dead, right? <laughs> I'm curious, Nick. Um, where's the name come from? Is this pig kind of just a an almost play on word on pick, or is there another story related to that? Well, there's two stories. Um, one is that ham radio and pig. There's that correlation. And then if you want to hear the other story, I'll tell you. Oh, sure. i got to hear the other story now, yeah. Okay, so um, my wife and I met in 2002 at a bar in Hollywood, and we started dating, 
and I was calling her Babe at the time. And, uh, you know, that was my, my pet name for her. And she's Japanese, and her only concept of the word babe was the movie. So she thought I was calling her a pig. And, and you're still together, yes. <laughs> so she started calling me pig while I was calling her babe. And then a couple of years after that, we were talking about starting a company, um, you know, as some married couples do. And, um, and I said, what's the name going to be? And she said, how about Pignology? Uh, so... She is. She deserves all the credit for the name. Um, it's just that the company wasn't formed until about four years after she said it. That's a great story. What's her name? Her name is Kazumi. Well, you and gotta, I'm gonna thank Kazumi because that's that's an awesome story. <laughs> Kazumi, that's Italian, right? Japanese. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. My my sense of humor is far too dry for the average human. <laughs> That's okay. We're not average humans. <laughs> um, what's interesting is I, saw, I, I, you have a, you have a product called the, called Ether Pig, which I think is the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Ether Pig is, is an interesting beast. Um, it, it basically does what Pig Remote does today with software on both sides. So you can run an Ether Pig server on your home computer. And basically what it does is it will proxy that same rig control through from iPhones and iPads, as well as stream audio. So Pig Remote replaces the computer in that scenario. Um, so is, it like, is it like control software, like taking control of another computer as you would with any software that's available now? Um, basically what it's doing is um, it's basically the pipe from what you're holding to your radio. It's just a little application that runs, and what it does is it opens up a couple TCP listeners and one of those is for pigtail, and then um, the other side is not TCP, but it's UDP for the SIP control traffic. It's running voice over IP basically in software, and uh, and all the audio is running through your computer. That's that's fantastic. I have to say that I don't know if I actually need EtherPig for anything at all, but I'm going to run it just so that I can tell people that I run it. Just for the name. <laughs> yeah. Maybe EtherPig goes with your EtherPad. Yeah, well, go. that's true. I can run them side by side on the same server, and I, you know, <laughs> whatever it takes. I just have to be running EtherPig. That's all I can say. And it's EtherPig with an exclamation point. Apparently, is it? Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it is. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah, right. EtherPig is interesting. It seems that uh, it, nobody uses it. So please. <laughs> I'll be the one person. Who I don't uses know why that is. Maybe they don't know it's available because it was in beta for quite a while. But um, it's free. Anybody listening, please go use Etherpig. And yeah, I've actually sent um, both your websites to uh, one of my friends. Uh, and and Nick, you know John V Two EQL. We were talking about him before. He's uh, given uh, many talks about. Um, uh, control software from your iPhone or uh, smart device. He gave one recently at uh, this thing called HamCon, which was given by the Radio Amateurs in Northern Vermont, uh, which I had the opportunity to attend. And he's giving the same talk at uh, Nearfest uh, in the next few weeks. So uh, uh, I was very happy because we have a friend who has a, a place here in the city where he can't have any antennas. And he's got his cottage up north and he's got his rig up north and his antenna farm up north, and he wants to control said antenna farm and rig. So uh, I've, I've sent him your link, so uh, maybe you'll have some new customers. Well, thank you very much. It's all a public service, and we're happy to do it. 
well, I hope we generate a lot of new customers for you guys. And this is the point where the hosts of Linux in the Ham Shack cop out and ask the two of you to bring up any topics that we have failed to mention that you actually wanted to talk about, but we were too stupid to bring up. You were too stupid. Uh, that I w- <sighs> okay, this is the last show have, you're have, on. No. That's <laughs> <laughs> All right, George, what did Good we forget yourself, to talk buddy. about? Okay, well, actually, I got two two uh, quick ones. Um, one is that if uh, you're going to be at Dayton, um, I know you rest, you're going to be there. But if anybody else is at Dayton, uh, Nick and I are are both going to be doing some forum presentations. So he's going to do a forum presentation on iOS, uh, Android type uh, development for remote station control. That a surprise, and it'll be interesting because it's uh, kind of an intro to how to do that sort of thing. And then I'll do a forum talk about um, microcontrollers and embedded Linux and the pros and cons and when you should use one or the other uh, and show some project examples. Um, The other thing that I wanted to mention is uh, we're also coming up with something new. uh, Another thing we're going to debut at Dayton, which is um, a do-it-yourself DIY uh, embedded Linux uh, platform. So it's, it's kind of like the hardware that Nick described um, in in the pig remote, but it's more like our hamstack stuff where uh, it's for people who really want to build their own project. And it uses a beagle bone as the uh, the main CPU. Uh, optionally, you can stick in the codec for audio. Uh, so basically, we built a motherboard, and this motherboard lets you plug in the CPU, brings a bunch of the GPIO and UARTs and all that out to, to connectors or headers. Uh, and then there's also a socket on the motherboard where you can plug in our Hamstack um, uh, accessory boards, uh, prototype boards, or even an Arduino shield because we make them Arduino compatible. So um, if you if you want to kind of hack your own project, uh, we're, we're going to have a, a product to do that, and we've just decided on the name for that uh, gadget, and we're going to call it a Beagle Box. So it's going to be a box with a motherboard and a bunch of peripheral stuff in there, and uh, you can put your own Beagle CPU in your own project oh incredibly cool and everybody who has more technical knowledge than i do actually understood what you just said <laughs> all right nick what what did we forget to mention about technology and all of the products that you put out that you would like everybody to know about i think we're good oh i, that, I, I can't think of anything that's been missed that can't be right hmm. george did i miss anything uh no i think you covered most of it it, it can be right russ because they're not us they're thorough <laughs> Well, that's true. They were they were allowed to talk at their leisure, and if you, I guess now is the time to say that if you have not told us everything you need to tell us, that uh, it may just be too late. I could mention the knob. Uh, go ahead and yeah. mention the knob, then, by Are all you means. You're going to talk about Russ now. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, over the years, I've seen emails come in every month or so from the various Yahoo groups out there that say I really want a remote tuning knob. So uh, so I decided to make one called a pig knob and uh, basically what it does is it, uh, it extends the knob out to your fingers and it's got a bunch of buttons it's all user programmable that uh, that should be a Dayton as well I believe stop by and give it a spin well I personally cannot wait to see you guys at Dayton and I don't want this interview to end before that I make sure that everyone huh we don't want it to end before Dayton. <laughs> no, we do actually need it to end before Dayton, whether we want it to or not. But I want to make sure that I mention that Nick from Pignology and George from Sierra Radio Systems 
are the two that completely fleshed out Linux in the Hamshack's ability to attend Dayton. The, the shortfall that we had in our donations to go to the show were entirely funded by Sierra Radio Systems and Technology. And I want to really, really thank Nick and George for, uh, for sending us the donations required to make sure that we could be there. I, I really can't thank you enough. I mean, I, I don't even know how, but uh, uh, thank yeah, you very most much. Excellent, guys. Excellent. Thank you. Oh, well, it's, it's our pleasure. I mean, we, we did it just because, you know, we want to make sure you're there and get a chance to check out what's going on. And, and you know, we listen to the to the podcast and, you know, kind of like the least we could do to, you know, help. So glad we could do it. That's fantastic. I, I, I mean, like I said, I can't, I can't thank you guys enough. And if you happen to have $10 in your pocket, you know, by the time I get there, I might even able, uh, be able to eat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's totally a I lie. Need more than 10 bucks. Yeah. It's so, hey. three days after all. Come on. Are you calling me fat? No, I said it's three days. <laughs> I can't even eat for 10 bucks over three days. Come on. I weigh 140 pounds wet. <laughs> uh, I weighed 140 pounds 35 years ago. all right guys well i i will say that uh, i really appreciate you guys coming on and talking about your products i'm really interested i hope our listeners are really interested and you're more than welcome to hang on for the last you know 10 minute segment where we talk about feedback and stuff if you like uh if you want to check out now you're certainly welcome to do that as well but uh, we're going to move on to a break our last segment and then we're going to wrap this thing up so thanks again guys thank you george Oh, thanks very much, Russ. Pete. Very nice to chat with you guys. Appreciate it. All right. Yeah, you guys are awesome. I'm I'm really sorry I'm not going to get to meet you guys this year at Dayton. Hopefully, you'll be there next year because I'm trying to plan on being there next year. We're gonna, we're going to hog time and make sure he shows up. And thank you, Nick, for uh, for being a part of this as well. Absolutely. Thank you for bringing us on. It was a lot of fun. All right. So I'm going to introduce the last song, and uh, either George and Nick will be with us for the last segment, or they won't, one way or the other. Uh, this one I found I on my own. The spot and make them uh, introduce the music. Well, that would be great, except kidding. neither of them know what it is. <laughs> I think we're supposed to <laughs> no, sing along. That's why put on the spot. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, that's right. Well, you want to make something up, and I'll just play the music as if that was what it was. <laughs> no, it'd pro- probably be more effective to the person who actually produced the music to hear who who they are. Uh, this song is one I found earlier today. It's a it's a little bit weird for Linux in the Ham Shack. It's kind of different for the show, but I hope everybody likes it. It's a song called "Pain of Life" by a group called Drunken Souls, and uh, it, it's really an interesting piece of music. I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. The album it's is the called "Story of My Life." The story of your life. Okay, well, Pete will identify with this one. Uh, the album is called Onvera Plus Tard, and I have no idea what that means, but if you want to look it up on Google, go for it. I tried. It doesn't come up with anything useful. This one's by Jamendo as well, so everybody enjoy Drunken Souls. We'll be back in a few minutes. We'll wrap this baby up.
Actually like that. It's very funky, funky, funky. It's got a reggae beat. It's kind of neat. Yeah, uh, "Pain of Life" by Drunken Souls. So check that one out. So we got a little bit of feedback. Uh, we got some feedback that we need to talk about, and you've also got one more topic that's uh, kind of an interesting security concern and. The fact that I've been dealing with JavaScript lately and uh, I'm developing a logger application using CSS3, HTML5, and JavaScript, um, I thought this was kind of cool that you brought this up. I don't know if you want to read through this whole thing about all this uh, the stuff that's going on no. here, but uh, if you want to summarize, go for it. Yeah, no, I'll summarize. I, I thought it was interesting, too. I actually heard this on Linux Outlaws uh, 304, the March 28th episode. And believe me, I'm not in the habit of taking stuff from other podcasts and bringing it over here, especially podcasts that are kind of linked. You know, we're, we're both Linux podcasts. But I thought this one was, was kind of important because using JavaScript, I know a lot of people don't like JavaScript, and a lot of, a lot of developers are moving away from it. So I'm kind of surprised, but um, apparently using JavaScript, you can... Uh, uh, exploit uh, URLs uh, basically in such a way that even a mouse over, uh, usually when you click on a link, it, it'll bring you to the link that's advertised. If you mouse over, usually you can see at the bottom of your browser where this link is going to take you. Well, apparently using this these few lines of code, and it's really only five or six lines of code that are embedded, you can hide the link. So basically if I'm trying to go to, um, I don't know, uh, uh, Budweiser.com and, and go on Budweiser's website and they have a link there to something else. They can actually hide where that is. And, and I thought that was a huge security concern. Um, and, and the person who discovers this, whose name, whose last name is Hamid, I, uh, his first name is Bill, Billawal or Bilawal. I'm not sure how he pronounced it. Hamid, he discovered, uh, this vulnerability and he actually informed a lot of, um, a lot of these, you know, he informed Google, he informed Facebook, and, and basically they all ignored him. So I don't know if they're not taking it seriously or not, but um, just something to be aware of. Uh, it, it, it can be that the link that you're clicking on is actually a, a camouflage link, so you won't know where it's really going to take you until you get there. Yeah, JavaScript has the ability to manipulate um, what's called DOM elements, which are parts of a web page on the fly and one of the ways that can do that is using an on mouse click event basically what happens is you have an event or you have a link on a page that goes to some other page and of course you know that's how you sort of normally navigate the web you you see a page you happen to be viewing and there's a bunch of links on it and you click that link and uh, you go to some other page where you want to see some related content but javascript has the ability to set an on mouse click event on a particular link on a web page where you can say, well, when this link, when this link is clicked, 
change the destination of the link to some other page and you'll be redirected to that page and you won't even know it because the browser doesn't the browser is javascript enabled therefore it accepts the javascript code it changes the link redirects you to the link that is changed by the mouse click event you go to a page you didn't expect to wind up at and what's interesting about this is uh pete mentioned that some of the major players are against doing anything about this and the reason why they are is because major players in this game like facebook and google actually use this capability of javascript uh in yes bastards uh bastards what was the what was that logging software we looked at tushnock (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's right um they actually decided that they actually are going to use this capability for some of the things they do now we don't know what those things are but they apparently use them and so modification of this ability of javascript to change links on the fly uh, is being resisted by large players in the market like facebook and google so just be aware of this uh it can happen to you without you even knowing it in general, it's a bad thing. Just just try and be aware. That's all I guess we can say. Most most people might not even notice because how many people I, – I actually do look at, at – before I click on something that I find sketchy or that I'm unsure of, I'll look to see what the URL is. You know, because you get a lot of these phishing scams and it says, click here, your payment has been declined and you think you're going to your bank, but it actually redirects you somewhere else. You know, some of us realize these things. We're used to it. But 90% of the population just wouldn't even be aware and would probably click on it anyway. So is it going to really make a difference to those people who don't check? Probably not. Uh, hell, in my experience, uh, people will go to an email that comes into their inbox with a link that says, this is a phishing scam, and they'll click on it anyway. Well, human nature, curiosity, <laughs> killed the cat. Yes, you know. uh, anyway, uh, information I, on... I forward all that stuff to my work, and then I click on it there because they're so protected there that I'm really not worried about anything. So it, I know that it's a really bad one if I send it to work and it comes up blank. <laughs> yeah, it's bad news. Uh, information about the JavaScript exploit uh, and links to information you can find out about it will, of course, be in the show notes. And uh, I would like to say that uh, Bill keeper of all knowledge and show notes taker for Linux in the ham shack has resigned his position. So if anybody would be interested in taking over for bill and becoming Linux in the ham shacks, keeper of all knowledge and uh, resident show notes taker, we're taking applications. Now pay is $0 compounded monthly. Please let us know. We'd, we'd be happy to have you on board because if we don't get any volunteers, Pete's it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you're quite well, welcome. And you're you, all... The show notes are great. We could just use the show notes. We're, we're on top of it now. Well, I don't care how you do it, but you're already three shows behind. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, go ahead and take, uh, take the last couple of things you've got in here, and then we're going to roll on out. Yeah, no problem. The last ones are actually really quick. I just want to say thanks. We want to say thanks. Uh, we have a, a new uh, follower on Twitter. Uh, his uh, Twitter, uh, what do you call the Twitter call sign? The, the Twitter name is at uh, Linux Leech. I'm, I'm not familiar with Linux Leech. Do you know Linux Leech? Is it a podcast or a website or a rest? Um, I don't know. I, be- I believe it is an organization of some kind. It's not a, not a person per se, but I don't really know anything about it. So. 
Okay, well, I'll have to do my homework and look that up. I apologize to Linux Leech if you are not a person but an entity. And then next week I'll find out what you are and talk about said entity. But thanks for uh, following us on Twitter. I think that's really cool. Uh, we also want to thank uh, Brian S., who is a uh, our newest member uh, with a yearly uh, membership. I uh, just signed up this week. So thanks, Brian. We're happy to have you aboard. We uh, hope you like the contents of the show. We're sure you do since you're a member now. Uh, thanks, of course, to all of our monthly donors. You're not forgotten. Uh, we need you guys as well. And uh, thanks to uh, all of our listeners, everybody who's here live, uh, which is really cool, and everybody who's going to be listening to us in the future. I'm, I'm in the future by podcast. So uh, thanks a lot, everyone. Yeah, thank you everybody for listening. Be a listener. And if you would, if you have a friend or two or two or three or a hundred or 250 or 306,000, by all means, let them know about the, po- the podcast because it is free. And the only way we get out there is word of mouth. We don't advertise. We get entirely community support from donations to, to continue on. And if you want to hear this great content, all I can say is let more people know about it. That will be good. And, and Pete, guess what? I have a secret. Just one? Well, I have lots of secrets, but I have one that's important for tonight. <laughs> and do you know what that is? Well, not if it's a secret. Well, of course not. But guess what? George and Nick, they didn't leave. They're still here. Oh, cool. Excellent. It's a good thing I didn't say anything bad about them. <laughs> <laughs> So All right. we'll let them uh, say a few words before we... That's, uh, that's right. Uh, do you guys have anything you want to let anybody know about, uh, where people can contact you, information about where they can buy your products, all that stuff? That I mean, they know you're going to be at Dayton, but, you know, maybe somebody wants a uh, pig remote right now. Where can they go ahead and get it, Nick? They can't. They can't? <laughs> no, no, what kind of what kind of sales pitch is that? <laughs> so um, shop.pignology.net. They are listed there. However, I have them listed as not for sale for the time being. Um, with the black that's just come out, what I'd really like to do is get one in my hands and um, and see if I can get the software to work on it because that will lower the price in the end for the end user. Um, so since there's only the few out to beta testers right now, now's the time. So um, once I get my hands on that, if it looks like it's going to be a pretty quick conversion, then um, – then I'll I'll hold off for a week or two and uh, put my hood on and just start typing the code and uh, and go with that. All right, fantastic. And uh, Nick's website is pignology.net, if he didn't already say that, which he probably did, and I forgot in the last 12 seconds. And, of course, Sierra Radio Systems, which is uh, George's project, is, uh, and I'm going to get this real quick, uh, hamstack.com, hamstack.com for Sierra Radio Systems. And, George... I just told them where they can buy your stuff, but uh, what's what's cool about like what you do other than what you've told us tonight? Um, well, we really try to get uh, get hams to design and build stuff, so you know that's really what we're about. Uh, encourage people to learn about uh, writing code and building hardware, whether it's with processors or Linux or whatever. And uh, so we do a lot of educational stuff. So uh, roll up your sleeves and break out the soldering iron and try building something and learn to a little programming um, and you know, like you mentioned, Russ, it's at hamstack.com or sierraradio.net. It points to the same place. And there's all kinds of open source examples of projects we've developed in C and BASIC for microcontrollers. And we'll put more stuff up there for Linux as we do more development on that. So um, uh, if you just want to check out some design examples, there's a gallery with a couple of dozen projects of things people have built that are really fun to look at. A lot of the guys put open source uh, code up there. So you can uh, steal ideas from them. 
Um, so we encourage people to do that. Just check it out. Yeah, I was going to say check them out because I, I was actually uh, very impressed with both your websites. And, and they just, without knowing anything about your two companies, when I started doing the research, just the websites wanted me had me wanting to jump in and build something. It, it seems very accessible to everybody. And, and really great job on the websites and, and great job just generally with the projects, guys. Uh, that's awesome. Hey, thanks very much. All right, guys. Well, I think that's going to the wind it up for this show, episode number 105 of Linux in the Ham Shack. I guess I'm going to let Pete sort of roll with his his outro here in a minute. But I would like to say that if you happen to make it to Hamvention 2013, May 17th through the 19th in Dayton, Ohio, we'll be there. Sierra Radio Systems will be there. Pignology will be there. And if nothing else, go up to these guys and thank them for allowing Linux in the Ham Shack to be at Dayton this year, we we can't thank them enough, and uh, you know they'll they'll be emblazoned all over our booth. I, I guarantee that. So, Pete, I think it's about your time. I'm going to start the outro, and uh, you go ahead and say something. What do you think? All right, like again, seven uh, three everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can check us out on the web at lhspodcast.info. Uh, email us at info at lhspodcast.info. You could reach me at ve2xpl at rac.ca, and you could find me somewhere on Facebook, although I must admit I'm not uh, there very often. So thanks for being here, and uh, let Russ say his uh, final words. All right, this is Russ K5TUX. I'm on all the social networks out there, Google+, Twitter, Facebook, Identica, 73s.org. You name it, I'm JR Woodman. I'm also... At 73s.org, K5TUX. One of these days, I may actually be on Diaspora as well. Anyway, if you want to call the show, and I definitely recommend that you do, call us at 1-909-547-7469. That's 1-909-LHS-SHOW. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll put you on the air and discuss you at, at length, unless you decide you don't want us to. In which case, tell us, and we won't. I'm K5TUX at LHSpodcast.info. You can email both of the hosts at info at LHSpodcast.info. Go to LHSpodcast.info. Check out all the places we're going to be, your ambassador opportunities, all the places you can contact us via IRC, where the live stream is, and everything that's important to you as a listener of the show. This has been episode number 105, and I am broadcasting to you live to tape from between the peaks in the pine forest of north central Arkansas. We'll catch you again in a couple of weeks. Make sure you tell all your friends about the show. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye.